Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now, here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. Our guest today is Casey Adams. He's the founder of Casey Drone Company, and he's here to talk with us and answer some of the questions that you probably have about drones. We're hearing an awful lot about them in the news today, and sometimes you hear about how they're used in different commercial applications. We'll find out, is it really that easy to do that? And all the other questions that you have on your mind. So welcome to the show today, Casey. Hi, thanks for having me. Before we start talking about drones themselves, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you even got into this kind of business. Sure. Um, well, I'm from St. Louis originally. I went to uh, Bennington College in Atchison, Kansas uh, on a football scholarship and um, studied media. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> here so you are. Here I am, yeah. Um, and then uh, I joined the Army National Guard, the Kansas Army National Guard, in uh, 2007 as an artilleryman. And then I went to Egypt on a... Uh, on a peacekeeping operation there before their big uprising, part of the MFO operation. Mm-hmm. And um, I saw some UAVs, the Israelis were flying around on their side of the border, and uh, I saw some attempts for UAVs on the... Uh, on and the UAVs, uh, just in case somebody... Unmanned aerial vehicles. Okay, yeah. drones, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> or drones. I mean, people say drones, but really that's, that's not a drone. Drones are completely autonomous, so like the Terminator is a drone. You know, like the uh, hmm. Skynet is a drone, and there are no such things right now. Okay. Um, so right now there's always people in the loop. There's nothing unmanned about unmanned systems. Okay. All right. So, and we can talk about that. So I interrupted you. You were yeah. in Egypt before the uprising 2009. Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. we saw some, some UAVs out there, and I was pretty fascinated with just the capabilities of UAVs, how, how they can fly remotely and stuff, like most people are, I think. And... Um, Ultimately, I, I came back from that tour and I studied aviation at K-State and uh, studied UAVs at K-State and um, kind of got got into it that way. Got a lot of hands-on um, actual experience, uh, maintenance and building and things like that. And uh, they have a lot of simulators and stuff like mm-hmm. that there. So that was pretty cool. Um, there's not a whole lot of flight time, though, at K-State because of different federal regulations and stuff. So the... Uh, the DOD ended up. They needed they needed operators. You know there there wasn't enough um, civilian contractors um, to fill the need for eyes on the skies in Afghanistan mm-hmm. and different places around the world. So they were hiring pretty heavily and hired me right out of school. Wow. So I didn't finish there. Um, I was in I was online to to finish their four year degree program, but. Um, I mean, money talks, so I left. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but that was good for me. I got I got way more experience than I would have ever got at K State or really any other uh, college. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, I mean, when you're working in a field, it's different than studying theory. You know, right? About Hands a field. on, yeah, yeah, right in the middle, thick of things. So, what? When did you decide that this could be a company? That this was where you wanted to, the direction you wanted to take that knowledge and experience. Uh, well, a lot of people. UAV operators and intel analysts and people who work in that kind of field that think about it all the time, 
mainly because we don't want to be deployed anymore. But, <laughs> sure, uh, really good reason. Like, you know, it'd be nice to apply my skills at home somehow. And uh, so, I mean, I mean, we would talk about it all the time, how we could pull mm-hmm. our resources together and uh, start UAV operations uh, stateside for whatever you wanted, search and rescue, parcel delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, I hear they're pretty big in real estate, too. Yeah, yeah. Right now, the small ones are uh, ideal for photography, videography, and uh, 3D mapping and mm-hmm. um, or 3D recreations and uh, precision mapping and stuff. So there's a, there's a lot of different things that you can do with just a small like shoebox sized aircraft. If it has the right sensors on it, you can recreate places um, digitally and take you know use it for precision measurements or whatever whatever you want to do. If you just want to do show and tell, you're a big construction mm-hmm. company and you just want to you know show your investors where all their money's going, right. then uh, then you can do that very effectively with uh, photos, videos, precision mapping, 3D recreations, mm-hmm. and um, so that's really where the small UAV or UAS market is right now. Yeah, from what I I understand, some of those, you mentioned uh, not much bigger than a shoebox, that a lot of these aren't much different. You're probably going to disagree with me, but what I've heard is they're not much different than the remote-controlled airplanes that you see flying around. I mean, is there is that about the truth, that they're about that size? I'm sure they're more yeah. complicated. but Yeah, there's, I mean, they're slightly more complicated, really. It's, um, if you're... If anybody's looked at robotics or mechanical engineering, electrical engineering, anything like that for a short period of time, you can get an idea of how they work just by looking at the components on it. So really, they're the remote, remotely piloted aircraft with a small autonomous capability. So the autonomy comes in whenever you build flight plans. And um, building a flight plan is just pre-programming the aircraft where to fly. Okay. And um, so if I want to fly, say... Uh, I'm doing a precision agriculture job. A farmer needs to know if he's got irrigation problems mm-hmm. in a thousand acre field. That's a pretty big field and he doesn't want to drive a combine or four wheeler or a dirt bike or whatever out there, smash a bunch of crops to go find if he's got an irrigation problem or, or whatever. Um, so what you can do is load a flight plan onto a small drone and then it'll fly itself out there and you can videotape what you're looking at, or you can make a small precision map and uh, figure out exactly you know, where the irrigation problem lies uh, or what have you. So um, a little bit of autonomy is really how these aircraft work. They're, they're, mm-hmm. never, they're never flown completely autonomously, um, mainly because I mean, people want to get it back. Sometimes things happen, yeah, you know. Exactly. So you, you want somebody who's, uh, you know, well-versed with uh, emergency procedures and things like that so that you can get the aircraft back or at least track it wherever it may land. Mm-hmm. And... Some of these are not little. I mean, we I referred yeah. to the real small ones, but some of these are much larger. And uh, that leads me to some of the safety concerns with them, especially when mm-hmm. they're being flown over stadiums. Or, I mean, that might not even be legal to do right now, but uh, talk to us about uh, the safety concerns and this, what, what's done to prevent uh, accidents with them and so forth. Yeah, well, all, all legalities aside, um, it's never safe to fly – over large amounts of people. So, I mean, people have contacted me. They want me to fly um, for high school football games and things. Mm-hmm. I'll I ask them. So. <laughs> yeah, and it, that'd be great um, if everybody wants to sign a waiver sure. or wear, wear helmets or something. But um, I've never crashed um, uh, UAS myself, but I know failures do happen. I mean, if, if a little bit of moisture gets in an open electric motor, then mm-hmm. there goes one motor 
and now you have no yaw control and you have no control for the most part unless you have an autopilot that adjusts for that and a lot of people don't because they're expensive so either way don't fly over large populated areas um you know some people they haven't uh they haven't yet described what a largely populated area is ah so back to the old definition yeah yeah (laughs) so to get a definition would be uh would be great but a lot of people would argue, no matter what the number came out, that it was too small or big, so it right. doesn't matter. What about indoor use? Uh, indoor use is uh, is much safer. As really? Long, yeah, because you can control for the most part your uh, your environment. So if you're at a like a closed, you know, movie studio or whatever, mm-hmm. um, it'll it'll be safer because it can't there there are no flyaways. So like if if you have a an issue. Your autopilot malfunctions and it starts to fly off. It'll just smack to the ceiling, the and then that'll be yeah. the end of your flight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Granted, everybody as long inside as nobody's underneath of it. Yeah, when exactly. It falls. <laughs> everybody inside is always at risk of getting hit by a flyaway UAV. But all that stuff is preventable. Just like in in manned aviation, every accident, almost every accident, is completely preventable um, by the pilot. Hmm. Um, and if if the pilot doesn't do a correct walk around, he doesn't check his uh, his. Uh, you know, flight controls and stuff like that, like he's supposed to, and he might not know that there was a bird's nest in his in his mm-hmm. rudder or whatever. So he gets up in the air, his rudder doesn't work, and then he crashes or whatever. So, I mean, if you talk to aviation experts, anytime there's a, an accident, almost all of it was preventable. Um, at one way or another, they hadn't done their risk assessment or their pre-checks like they're supposed to, mm-hmm. and then there was an accident. Same thing with UAVs, small or big. We talked a little bit about... Uh, legalities. We referred to it anyway. Uh, what what are the legalities these days? Can it be? Can these drones be used commercially? Um, with, I mean, can I just go buy a drone and start using it, or what? What do I have to go through in order to use a drone commercially? You know, like three days ago, that would have been an easy question <laughs> for me to field. Yeah, but it's changing so often that um, it's getting harder to define what is legal and what isn't. So the FAA. It gets, it gets murky as soon as you ask the question. Mm-hmm. But the FAA um, wanted some wiggle room for model aircraft enthusiasts to keep flying at RC parks and, and what have you. Right. So they they set, they set aside a um, – it's called an FAA circular. It's not a law. It's a strong suggestion. So they say uh, – it it's a strong suggestion. It's like they'll send out circulars if there's bad weather, you know, west of Salina and you're flying out to – uh, Denver and your personal mm-hmm. aircraft, and they say, you know, don't fly out there. There's, you know, tornadic weather out there, and um, so it's not illegal to fly out there. It's not mm-hmm. a good idea. Right. You know, it's dangerous. Still, you might be able to fly over it if you have the aircraft for it. Who knows? Um, but it's not illegal. Okay. So, the model aircraft um, rules essentially were anything under 400 400 feet. You could fly uh, as long as it wasn't around. You know, airports and not around highly, you know, densely populated areas. Um, basically, don't bother anybody. Fly responsibly. Um, that <laughs> used to be a thing. That used to be how people would fly. Uh, what they're calling drones now, because um, essentially they are a little model aircraft uh-huh. with a small autonomous capability. Right. So then there's the drone side of things. How do you fly UAS? Um, well, you can't without the authorization of the FAA. So people, people were flying under the model aircraft rules mm-hmm. uh, for a long time, and so was I, and I still do, until they came out with the, uh, the drone rules, which are also 
just suggestions. They're not laws. They can't force them. So the problem is, you, yeah, you can't force that law, even though they'll try. They'll try to, you know, they'll give you cease and desist orders and they'll give you, uh, uh, they'll, they'll go contact realtors and say you can't buy one of these and use them for photos on your, uh, on your webpage. And um, they're saying one thing when really, in reality, it's another thing entirely. So yeah. you're, you're getting, there's a lot of confusion when the FAA gets involved because they might try to enforce a rule that's not a real law. It's, mm-hmm. it's a suggestion, a strong suggestion to say, you know, I don't want you to fly illegally or danger, dangerously. So you almost have to be a lawyer to figure it all out. And honestly, the FAA lawyers and local like drone lawyers or aviation lawyers are all walking around with their hands up going, I don't know what is what. There's so much left to interpretation because they'll say, you know, flying anything above 400 degree, or 400 uh, feet is dangerous. And they also say now flying anything below 500 feet is also dangerous. And all of it's now... a 100-foot range. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a 100-foot range of absolutely forbidden airspace. <laughs> and the rest is apparently left up to interpretation. Of course, I'm kidding, but it is, uh, it is murky. I mean, mm-hmm. supposedly at the end of this year, they're going to have actual rules and laws that we can commercially fly by, which would be awesome. Yeah, because at least then you know what your real boundaries are. What is the purpose of, uh, what are they trying to accomplish with this so that things, um, so that it is safe and so that, uh, well, in addition to safety issues, just uh, to avoid some of the lawsuits that might come out of of the use of them, I suppose. I mean, what what, what are they trying to accomplish? That's a good question. Um, They could accomplish more if if the rules that they made weren't in complete confliction with previous rules that they've made. Mm-hmm. So it, it's hard to, it's hard to make that assessment because they don't, they don't come right out and say, this is why we're doing this. They just say, yeah. you know, don't do this. Nobody do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, as is often the case with the government. And I mean, this is just the way it is. They don't, it, they don't keep up with the practical application, the other applications that people find to use things mm-hmm. for. Business owners complain all the time about yeah. overly regulated uses of items that could help their businesses. I don't, I don't yeah. want to bash the FAA so right. much because for the most part, they, they have an outstanding safety record right. with man aviation, but they, God, they should have seen this coming mm-hmm. many years ago, many, many years ago, because other countries have found ways to safely integrate UAVs in their national airspace, and they're using them for parcel parcel delivery sure. and, uh, you know, search and rescue by swarm, which is highly effective, much better than uh, an aviation expert and a search and rescue guy in, in a helicopter. Um, I mean, the vast amounts of applications and the amount of money to be made in the industry mm-hmm. is, is you just can't ignore it. And I don't know how the, how the FAA has managed to do that in the last, uh, in the last, you know, eight years, but really they should have been working on it 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. We're going to take a break. When we get back, I want to dive down into some of those applications you were just talking about, because really they're, they're almost endless. You're listening to Smart Companies Radio on Blog Talk Radio. We'll be right back. It's the smartest party of the year. Thinking Bigger Business Media will turn a spotlight on some of the city's most innovative and forward-thinking entrepreneurs. With its annual Smart Companies to Watch Party Thursday, December 4th from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. at the Downtown Marriott Hotel. Hors d'oeuvres, including a carving station, and drinks will be served. Sign up for this year's party 
today at ithinkbigger.com. That's Thinking Bigger Business Media's annual Smart Companies to Watch Party, December 4th. Register at ithinkbigger.com today. On December 11th, nourish your body and your business at the Big Breakfast, a quarterly event spotlighting the entrepreneurs featured on the cover of Thinking Bigger Business Magazine. They will share stories from their own companies and advice that you can put to work in your business. Plus, you'll meet the staff of Thinking Bigger Business Magazine and learn how you can become involved with the only publication in Kansas City that exclusively serves growth-minded small businesses. Again, that's December 11th. Register at ithinkbigger.com. That's ithinkbigger.com. Good morning. Welcome back to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. We're visiting here this morning with Casey Adams. He's the founder of Casey Drone Company. And we've been talking about the different applications for drones, unmanned UAV, unmanned. Yeah, UAV is unmanned aerial vehicles. Aerial, um, that's what I couldn't think I of. I prefer too. UAS, unmanned aerial systems, ah, because there's right. no, I don't fly vehicles. I can't put anything in my aircraft. Sure, sure. Um, but that's just being picky. I mean, most people know them as drones, and mm-hmm. so I just go with, you know, the catchphrase. If somebody wants my services, they're going to Google drone. Yeah, so we've been talking about the applications and the legalities of using drones, and right now it's very murky, the the regulations around this industry. Uh, that aside, what are some of the different applications that are maybe people don't think of? I mean, it's pretty easy to think about their applications for mapping and maybe real estate uh, using them and, and, like you said, to do deliveries eventually. But what are some of the other kind of cool things that drones could do? Uh, drones are good for anything dull, dirty, or dangerous. Huh. Right? So if it's boring, some of it is extremely boring. Mm-hmm. A lot of... Uh, Afghanistan drone pilots will tell you that, you know, sometimes you can just leave and go get coffee and come back and you haven't missed anything. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, you, we we talk we call it staring at dirt. I mean, you just stare at dirt and waiting for something to happen. So anyway, um, that's Afghanistan. But stateside, um, dull is something like a pipeline. You know, you, sure. you fly an oil or natural gas pipeline or something like that. Um, typically, you'd pay, you know, the the. <laughs> zitty face kid in the Cessna to go uh-huh. fly, you know, uh, you'd, you'd pay him minimum wage to go fly his uh, Cessna and look for damage. And, um, you know, of course, with all the aircraft costs and maintenance and fuel and all that stuff is all included, it's much easier and cheaper to do it with a, with a small unmanned system. So small unmanned system in an ideal world could fly that whole thing autonomously. You could set it and forget it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And a computer would then uh, use all the images that you took and compare them to the previous week or the previous month or whatever and look for any kind of anomalies, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so really <laughs> all of it could be done by computer with one guy running the whole thing. Um, but it doesn't really work like that in the real world right now. Um, so that's that's pretty cool. That's dull, right? So right. dirty is um, anything like the, the Fukushima disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm where the whole place is uh, an NBC environment, nuclear, biological, radio, whatever, um, chemical. Um, so you can't send any people in there. It's dangerous. So you send, naturally, a, a remote device to go view things. They do the same thing with, you know, uh, the EOD guys in Afghanistan. Don't mm-hmm. walk over to every bomb and try to disarm it, like on the hurt lock or whatever. They send the robot because they don't want to get hurt. Um, yeah. So really, there's there's a lot of applications as far as dirty is concerned. Um, if you want to fly over volcanoes, you want to fly over... Um, 
uh, nuclear plants to mm-hmm. do inspections on their structures, uh, things like that. Um, any any application where you don't want to put people, yeah. it's dangerous to put people, you put machines, and there's no reason not to. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, the dull, dirty, now dangerous. Same same concept, right. yeah, for the most part. Um, so, yeah. I mean, you can use your imagination as, as much as you want. It, hopefully the FAA will allow us to do that here <laughs> in the future. Well, and that, that brings me back to my next question, which is with the uh, murkiness, I can't think of another word right now, but with the murkiness surrounding the use of drones commercially, is that deterring people that would probably use them? They just think, oh, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go down this path, get involved, make mm-hmm. this a part of my business, and then, oops, it gets yanked out from under me. So is that, is that, yeah, it's terrified everybody from customers to entrepreneurs, investors. Um, everybody's concerned that they're going to get a cease and desist order or that the regulations will come out in a way that won't allow the industry to be affordable. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's really two things that can ruin the, the industry right now. It's the FAA and, uh, insurance. Right. And so if, if you can't find somebody to insure your entire operation for liability, you're looking at, insurance for every aircraft. Right now I've got a million dollar insurance policy, cost me about a thousand dollars a year on one aircraft and I've got close to 10 aircraft that are functional. And, uh, you know, I've got, as a startup, I've got a budget for just insurance. That's 10 grand of insurance a year, uh, for the most part. So, you know, I've got to, if I'm working and doing jobs like, like I'd like to be without the FAA scaring my customers away, then, uh, then you know I could make that at the end of the year, but right now I'm only going to fly three aircraft because that's all I can afford to uh, to insure at the moment. Right. Yeah. So, what are some of the services that your company provides? Yeah, we provide um, uh, aerial photography, videography, and mapping services. So, um, you know, if if anybody's doing any kind of promotion, structural inspection, or um, uh, you know, precision agriculture, really, that's that's all the things that. That we cover right now. I don't think we'll ever get into uh, the parcel delivery stuff. The big, the big companies mm-hmm. have a pretty good handle on that, and things get pretty complicated when you start dropping packages off in different areas. <laughs> I'm still curious to see how that's going to work. <laughs> well, they're doing it. They did it off. Uh, I think it was off the coast of Germany. Did they? Uh, DHL did it. Yeah, huh. and uh, they've got a sweet little rig that uh, it flew. I think it's on like a two-hour flight time or something like that. Mm. And that's that's hard to find with vertical takeoff and landing aircraft they're not very efficient yeah so we're talking about uh when you talk about delivery you're talking about moving packages from one distribution area Mm -hmm. to another you're not talking about door-to-door delivery when you're talking well no i mean you could do door-to-door delivery essentially but you have to have (laughs) the right the right uh ground and airspace for it so exactly you're you're flying around a a neighborhood (laughs) that's what Um, i'm trying to picture (laughs) you could do it it's a bird it's a plane yeah i've seen them I've seen them do it in other applications, but and and at the same time, same time, you're not going to buy a pair of Jordans and have it delivered by air to your house. Mm-hmm. It just they just weigh too much. You're talking parcel delivery, so yeah. little pieces of paper, you know, important documents that need to be shipped from A to B. You know, the the bicycle messengers might have an issue with that because it'll take a portion of their market share. Um, but it's something important like a birth certificate you need to the courthouse, like you know, lickety split. So. Um, Parcel delivery will be a thing, but it's not going to be that big a thing. You know, if you order something from Amazon, it better be light. Yeah. And we're talking ounces because it's going to be cheaper to put it in the van and have the Amazon guy or the FedEx guy, whoever, uh, drive it to 
your yeah. house. And I don't think people realize that when you hear about drone delivery. I think people do think packages. I mean, yeah. so that. Well, they're thinking a, wrong. That's okay. Yeah. So I, I, that's what I thought. So I stand corrected too. What separates you from some of the other drone companies out there? Good question. Um, expertise, really. Um, I know how to fly safely and I know who to contact to make sure that I'm flying correctly. Um, I, I do a proper risk assessments and um, I do mission planning, pre-mission planning, mm-hmm. just like I would any kind of military operation. So you, you want to know where you're flying. First of all, really, you, ch- you check the weather. Is it good enough to fly or not? Um, and then you you go through a risk assessment. What is the risk? Am I flying over you know any hospitals? People don't think you fly over a hospital, you're flying over a helicopter for the most part. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's great that you have all this airspace and you might, you might even be smart enough to get a, a sectional chart out, an aviation sectional chart, um, and look at the airspace you're in and think, oh, there's only like two airports here and I'm not near, anywhere near them. Well, you're around three hospitals. And one of them is a regional, you know, KU medical center or whatever. Mm-hmm. They've got helicopters that go in and out of there all the time. Right. And they come out fast. And they will contact air traffic control on the way out. So they've already taken off and they're leaving. And now they're contacting the tower. So the tower can't tell you to stop flying because they just found out. Mm-hmm. So, so you want to avoid hospitals. Yeah, yeah. hospitals and, uh, you know, news helicopters, things like that. There's unforeseen changes in airspace happen all the time. And it's it's next to impossible to sense and avoid other airborne obstacles um, remotely. Yeah, but so that's a service that you provide, that uh, mapping for them. What What is your future? I'm sitting here thinking it's hard enough for a startup to figure out what they're going to do next, but here you are in an industry where you don't even know from one week to the next what you're going to be allowed to do. So how do you plan for your future as a startup? That's a good question. I've got I've got people who are interested in being partners, being investors. Um, you know, banks want to invest in UAV technology, but they don't know how because of right. regulations. Um, so really, <laughs> you plan. I'm planning for everything, and whenever they, whenever they actually, you know, come out with a good regulation, then according to that, I've already got a plan for it, and I okay. can just go with whatever it may be. So there's a lot of things in the Skunk Works right now. Right now. Um, we do offer classes. So, you know, I, I fly around town and I fly safely. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I never fly without somebody asking me what it is I'm doing, how the thing works, where they can get it. So there's a retail side as well. We offer, we, we sell aircraft and we teach classes. Okay. So if you want to custom build aircraft for, say, you're a photographer in town, I can build you the aircraft. I can teach you how to fly it. You'll fly safely. I'll teach you everything you need to know about airspace. It's basically an FAA ground school course. Um, mixed with UAV operations. And so at, at the Kansas City Drone Company, we'll teach everybody how to fly the drones they get from us and how to fly them safely. And honestly, I don't sell drones to people who are like, hey, I'm going to get one for my five-year-old son. Yeah. I'm like, not without him coming and talking to me first. <laughs> you know, because he can ruin the industry for everyone else. And it's absolutely it's estimated to be over a $13 billion industry here in the next five years. Wow. So you're, so you're in on the ground floor and you've mapped... Lots of different ways, that directions that you can take the company, depending on how these rules shake out. If someone would like to learn more about what you do, see more about your services, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, we've got a, well, we got a Facebook page. Obviously, that's where I started up. It's cheap, right? <laughs> sure. But uh, we also have a website, uh, caseydroneco.com is uh, where you can find a, where you can find us. We're the Kansas City Drone Company. You can Google us. Come um, right up. Yeah, it'll come right up. Uh, but Casey Droneco is our website. And... Yeah. Um, you know, it's been interesting starting up because all these people want to help, 
They don't know how, and they're afraid of the FAA. So as soon as they come out with rules, you're going to see a lot of changes in my company, especially, uh, you know, improved services, aircraft, um, you know, better classes, especially if they're making different rules. I'll have to teach all that stuff. Um, and, you know, better websites, photos. Yeah. I'm going to show a lot more on my website of what I've actually done versus the handful of photos that I've got there now. Right. Um, yeah. So, so right now, you just got a lot of things ready to execute against as soon yeah. as you know what the rules um, yeah, are. Yeah, we're a microcosm yeah. of the entire industry, just ready yeah. to explode. Can't wait to hit the ground running. Yeah, well, we'll be eager to see how all this shakes out, too. And if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, please visit our website at www.ithinkbigger.com. Follow us on Facebook, Thinking Bigger Business Media, or on Twitter at I Think Bigger. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.